0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Economics. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host Talia Murdoch and in this podcast I cover economic theories and current affairs in a simple, easy to understand way. Economics impacts everything and it doesn't have to be complicated. Today I will be continuing with my trade series and looking more closely at the NAFTA from the perspective of Canada. In my last two episodes of the series I have mainly focused on Mexico, international trade and income inequality, and what happened to manufacturing in the US once NAFTA was implemented in 1994. I hadn't gotten north yet, so we'll be doing this today. If you haven't already, please go ahead and download my last two episodes to get the full story. I was also planning on exploring the new tariffs the US is imposing on exporting countries, but have decided to do this as its own episode. As it goes far beyond NAFTA and the history of trade between the US and China needs to be explained too, so I think it deserves its own spot. So let's talk Canada, currently my home country, but obviously not where I'm originally from if you can't tell. Canada, like Mexico and the US, has been part of the North American Free Trade Agreement since its inception in 1994. Like everyone else, Canada joined the agreement with the goal to increase trade within the North Americas and to protect itself from protectionism, which are tariffs other countries had previously imposed on them and their industries. How has Canada fared from the agreement? It is pretty clear that the country has been the biggest winner of NAFTA, exporting massive amounts to the US in an almost socialist country where income is taxed and distributed fairly so more people have benefited from the trade. In 2017, Canada exported $472.6 billion worth of goods and services to the United States, roughly 31% of their gross domestic product that year. Their trade surplus with the US was itself equal to $24.4 billion in 2016, accounting for 2% of their GDP alone. Trade surplus really quickly means that the country is exporting more than it is importing. A trade deficit means that they are importing more than they are exporting. I kind of think it's irrelevant as a way to measure whether you win or lose, to be honest, because it depends on the product and it depends on the good. Anyway, moving on. It is safe to say that U.S. consumers drive the Canadian economy in a significant way. On top of this, it is important to note that 77.4% of Canada's exports were delivered to NAFTA in 2017, so changes to the agreement will have massive impacts on its industries if the economy does not adapt to a newer economic model. So what does Canada mostly export to the U.S.? Well, it is no surprise that crude oil is the largest good exported, with the vast majority coming from Alberta's oil sands. Sidestepping for a moment, while it may seem that this was a key reason the Canadian government chose to purchase the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion to increase oil exports, it is more likely that that increase in product will be shipped to China and other parts of Asia, not the U.S., So for more on that, check out my episodes, Pipeline versus People, part one and two. In addition to oil, large and medium-sized passenger vehicles made up roughly 16% of all exports to the U.S., and Canada is also their main supplier of wood. Now, one of the most controversial industries within Canada that has been under a lot of scrutiny during these renegotiations is the dairy industry. The dairy industry in Canada is pretty unique as it uses a supply management system to regulate the amount of milk products that can be produced by farmers in the country. So let's break this down. There are four key stakeholders in this system. The Canadian Dairy Commission, the Canadian Milk Supply Management Committee, consumers, and of course, the dairy farmers. The Canadian Dairy Commission work with the Canadian Milk Supply Management Committee to set the amount of milk that should be produced to meet demand. So the commission set the supply, while the committee measured the demand for milk products in the country. So they want to make sure the market is in equilibrium always. This information is then taken to dairy farmers in Canada, who each have, we'll call them shares, in the system. These shares represent the right to produce milk, and farmers must buy and sell them to meet the supply set by the commission, and according to their own capacity as farmers. This system exists in Canada to protect the national industry. It ensures that there is never an over or undersupply of the product and it helps to control price so farms can remain sustainable over the long term. It's kind of like a subsidy in some ways as the price that farmers get for their milk is guaranteed by this policy and system. So does this push up retail prices and hurt consumers? You would think that yes, it does as the law of supply tells us that a limited supply of a good or service leads to higher prices but in fact retail prices for milk and other dairy products in Canada are comparable to other developed countries and on average Canadians spend less on these products than other places in the world and this is because the supply is controlled according to demand it's not like diamonds or oil which is controlled to ensure that the supply is low so the price can be high It's controlled so it can meet demand and keep the farm sustainable and keep consumers happy. So what's the problem? Well, in addition to supply management, Canada also slaps massive tariffs on US dairy imports, upwards of 300% for some products. It also puts quotas on the amount of cheese that can be imported from any country before being charged a hefty duty at 800 tons, which makes it harder for the US the European Union, Australia, and New Zealand to access the consumer market in Canada. This goes against the whole concept of free trade, and as such has been heavily criticised by the current US government, by people in Canada, the EU, Australia, and New Zealand for being too protectionist. Each country has frequently challenged this at the World Trade Organization, and Canada continues to argue that it is compliant within their policy requirements, And so far, it seems to have won those arguments, though they are ongoing. Many dairy farmers in America also produce a surplus of milk. Now, this is for a number of reasons, with one of the main being that the state governments, think places like Wisconsin, where their football team is nicknamed the Cheese Packers because of the prevalence of this industry in their state. They encourage farmers to produce more milk, expand their facilities and feed the world which of course, in the spirit of capitalism and big economics, they did. This has started to become more and more damaging. In 2016, US dairy farmers literally dumped 43 million gallons of milk down the drain, which for perspective is equal to 65 Olympic-sized swimming pools. It's insane! Interestingly as well, in the agriculture industry as a whole, the U.S. Farm Bill also exists, providing subsidies to farmers to offset their cost of production, worth about $95 billion US every year. So it doesn't seem completely fair for the U.S. to criticize Canada for its supply management system when they are essentially doing the same thing, just in a different way, and by a direct subsidy rather than controlling supply. There is just so much argument around this issue and whether or not supply management causes higher dairy prices for Canadians and is in fact unfair to Americans. It's kind of hard to find some concrete evidence because everyone seems to be on opposite sides here and everyone seems to question and criticize everybody else's research more than I have ever come across, to be honest. It might just be because it's a hot topic right now. One study by the OECD showed that Canadians on the whole could save $2.6 billion annually if supply management was phased out. On the other hand, research from the University of Waterloo, which was looking closely at land systems, says the opposite, as the prices in America are so heavily subsidised by government, they cannot be compared. So it's kind of hard to know. There are also big risks to deregulating this industry for export opportunities. In the early 2000s, both New Zealand and Australia deregulated their dairy industries. New Zealand, whose largest export is dairy, saw China stockpile their powdered milk product, then stopped consuming it, completely lowering the demand and therefore the price of their milk. The government had to bail out farmers to the sum of $550 million. Similarly, in Australia, deregulation made it unfeasible for local farmers to compete with international markets, and there are now less dairy farmers than there have ever been before in the country. This is because when you open up a product like milk to international trade, it must be sold at international prices. At the same time, production facilities are also able to purchase international milk at the lower price. This is because milk is a homogenous product. It is a commodity that is essentially the same from country to country. If small, local farmers are unable to compete in the international markets, because they aren't as efficient, or the labor isn't as cheap, or they don't have the same technology. They're not able to sell at a higher domestic price anymore. They go out of business. So what do I think about the whole situation? Honestly, I don't see much wrong with Canada's system. Sure, it's not free market economics at all. And I'm into regulation where regulation is fit. And it doesn't encourage free trade at all. But when it comes to food, I think protecting local industries is important and should happen. A country's people will always need to eat to survive and keep their country alive. It is time and time again proven that local produce is healthier and more sustainable than importing and exporting large quantities of food. Though my main question and concern here is why don't other agriculture sectors get the same kind of support and the same kind of supply management system? Dairy farmers only make up 6% of Canada's farmers, so why isn't more Canadian food encouraged to be raised or grown and remain in Canada in the same way? Obviously, the cold climate presents some issues, but utilisation of arable land is lower than what is readily available at the moment. Anyway, before I get too far into that, I want to stop as this is the industry I currently work in. And I will absolutely be doing an episode on this and even pitching a policy idea I have for everywhere. So in a nutshell, from my research, I believe that supply management system and tariffs on milk work fantastically for Canada and shouldn't be changed at this point. It might even be worth the US looking at this kind of system for their own farmers if they continue to oversupply or maybe try to figure out why this is happening and how do you stop it. Well, I do believe in international trade I feel very strongly about keeping food local. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything Economics. Next week, I will be looking at trade between China and the US. You can follow the show on Twitter at Every Economics or find the whole network at Cave Goblins across all social media platforms. Check out our website, cavegoblins.com to hear another fun show about comedy. Out Tomorrow is, as always, a hilarious episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. This week, Doug talked to Jenny Roubaix and Danae Campbell of Nasty Women, which was awesome to record. Let yourself laugh a little and check that out. Again, thanks for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes and set the show to auto-download. I am Talia Murdoch and this has been Everything Economics.